Of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverStreetEnroll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Brood. Jacob, not a too busy weekend for the Lakers. It feels like it's been the case for a little while now. We're getting to maybe not the dog days of the regular season, but it certainly seems that way with Dennis Schroeder and Anthony Davis being out and the Lakers just not looking like they... It's kind of like getting senioritis your senior year it's like you see the end and you just want to fast forward to that part already i think the lakers have something similar with the all-star break especially after a two-month off season it just seems you know they're ready for something resembling a break and uh, i don't blame them because Jacob, I'm going to be honest, I'm, feel, I'm feeling the same way. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Lakers are getting more and more beat up, seems as the games go on. Um, the What game, I'm trying to remember what game it was. Was it the Nets game where they had like four different guys head to the locker room at yeah. some point, something along those lines? Um, they badly need the All-Star break, and I think that they're aware of that, and they are – just doing everything they can to get to the all-star break and then they will regroup. Um, That seems to be the target date when AD will be back, at least in the couple of games after it. Um, Yeah, they, I don't blame them. Um, I mean, the heat have been kind of going through the same thing, only they started really, really slow. Uh, I mean, neither of those teams had any sort of break. Like, we kind of expected this. Maybe we were a bit fooled by how good the Lakers looked early. And I still think ultimately that'll be the team that, or maybe even a better version of that team that'll um, be playing at the end of the season. But, I mean, we saw it last year. I remember they were trudging, trying to get to the all-star break. Because I remember one of my favorite games of last season was the Nuggets game right before the All-Star break because it was a kind of out-of-nowhere performance that uh, that kind of set them off right going into the break. So mm. that uh, they really need it. It's a lot different this year because they're just it seems like they're losing people left and right. Uh, no Anthony Davis, obviously, we talked about, or Harrison and I talked about last week, and then they lose Schroeder this week although it seems like that when he'll be back before the All-Star break. Um, man, it, I, it is the dog days of, <laughs> of the regular season. Mid-February is the dog days of the regular season. It sucks, right? Because th- this was a stretch of games that I think if the Lakers were fully healthy, Lakers fans would have really looked forward to you. You have that game against the Nets, against Kyrie Irving and James Harden, even with Kevin Durant out. You know, they're they're a pretty fun team. It, I think we're spoiled as NBA fans to say that, oh, man, Kevin Durant's out. We only get to watch Kyrie Irving and James Harden against LeBron James and, you know, if Anthony Davis were healthy. And then uh, the very next game, 
you had the NBA Finals rematch. Uh, on Monday, we got the Wizards. And then Wednesday, it is, you know, it, it was shaping up to be the battle for the number one seed with the Utah Jazz. Just a bunch of really fun games on the schedule and, and a slate of games that I think were going to show us where the Lakers were compared to other teams that are just really talented. Didn't end up getting that, and I think for that reason, I don't want to say these games are useless because obviously they still count for something in the wins and losses record, but, I mean, it is tough to take anything away from that Nets game or that Heat game, uh, and, and it will be hard to take anything away from that Jazz game unless they win. Then I will begin my <laughs> propaganda that the Lakers are going to beat the Jazz. The Lakers can beat the Jazz in the playoffs even without Anthony Davis. But aside from that, uh, I, I mean, like we we really don't need to talk about the Heat game. I know there's a game you'd rather talk about uh, that that's not a Heat game or a Lakers game even. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I don't want to talk about the heat game because it wasn't fun basically (laughs) um it was frustrating especially they had a chance to win it at the end and caruso pretended to be human just long enough to throw people off the scent is my working theory on that (laughs) um a much more fun game to talk about is the baby lakers today against the celtics um for those of you that watched it it was the saturday afternoon game uh, if you didn't watch it, go back and watch the highlights because the Pelicans came back from down 24 points in the third quarter to win the game in overtime. And the baby, it's it's kind of weird. We still call them the baby Lakers. I still refer <laughs> to them in stories as the baby Lakers, but they were in at the center of it. Uh, the lineup that played the whole fourth quarter in overtime was Lonzo, Hart, Ingram, and then Zion and uh, Nicola Melli. Um, but those first three, Hart, Ball, Ingram, and Zion, had, I believe it was 94 of the Pelicans' 120 points today. Um, Seems good. Yeah, they were incredible. They were in the middle of everything. It was a really fun game. Jason Tatum hit some huge shots, but... Josh Hart hounded him the entire second half. Tatum finished 10 of 24. Jalen Brown finished 7 of 23. Kimba was 5 of 21. I mean, as a Laker fan, if you really want to get some joy, um, just go back and rewatch from the fourth quarter on because you will see the Celtics miss lots of shots, (laughs) particularly open ones. And you will see the Pelicans, Ingram, Lonzo Hart, make all sorts of plays, huge baskets. Uh, It was a really fun game. And I would much rather right now focus on the Celtics losing than anything the Lakers are doing because of all the reasons we mentioned. Celtics are 500. I I just want to point that out. They are a struggling team that will be battling for a playoff play-in spot at their current rate. Yeah, so the Nuggets, sorry, the, the Celtics are 15 and 15. The New York Knickerbockers are 15 and 16. Oh my God. That is, well, and the Hornets are 14 and 15. Like, even the Bulls, who have been awful forever, are a game and a half back of the Celtics. 
the Raptors, who people were sure were, were going to be a lottery team this year, are now 16 and 15. Yeah. Fifth seed in the East. Um, I do want to get back to the Pelicans just for a second, though, because I think Josh Hart is probably going to get paid paid this summer. Yeah, it was really odd. Uh, him and Lonzo were both eligible for extensions, obviously. They're both going in, or they're in their final years of their rookie deal, uh, each of them respectively. Lonzo, I kind of anticipated he wouldn't get an extension. I remain very confused as to why Josh Hart didn't get one. Um, because, I mean, as we as we Laker fans all saw, he was a contributor from day one. Mm-hmm. And he has never been, like, that rookie season has been his floor, even kind of in bad stretches. And um, he struggled a bit this year. Um he had a bit of a shooting slump. It wasn't a sp- from three-point range, but, I mean, he's still the tough defensive um, rebounder. Uh, he's averaging a career high in rebounds after averaging a career high in rebounds last year. I mean, he had a quote after the game today that said he wants to be a, the junkyard dog type, which perfectly fits his game. So, uh, yeah, I... I really didn't understand why they didn't lock him up long term. Also, because like he's going to be a contributor for a long time. Like right. he's a terrific glue guy. He's going to be around in the league for fifteen years. Um, because even if he's not knocking down shots, he rebounds terrific for his position. So and he can defend. So um, he is absolutely going to get paid. I mean, honestly, him and Lonzo both are going to get paid because Lonzo is having, I've said it multiple times for those of you that follow me on Twitter, this is by far the best stretch of basketball of his career. Um, and every time I say it, I don't want to I don't want to point fingers. Lakers fans will always say, oh, well, what about those handful of games before he got injured his last year? Um he did play well then. He's playing better than he was then, and he has been doing it for a long time now. Um, he is comfortably burying three-pointers. Um, he's punishing teams who go under under on screens on him. He's getting to their lane, and I still think this is probably his best defensive season. Um of his career, if the Pelicans were a little bit more decent, particularly defensively, I think there'd be a case for him to be on an all defensive team. Um, Those two have been really good. The baby Lakers, I mean, all over the place, not just in new Orleans. Randall is probably going to be an all-star this year. Clarkson's a six man of the year, like probably front runner. And Charles Barkley said he'd pick him on the all-star team over Anthony Davis. (laughs) So maybe he's an all-star this year too. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was wild. Um, I mean, Nance, I know he's been hurt. He was a big contributor in Cleveland when they started off really well. Um, I know D'Lo's hurt too. Zubats, it still pains me to watch him um, just because of the trade that we made to, ship him to our biggest rival, I would say, right now. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting guys, but all over the place, it's so... It would, 
it was kind of bittersweet to a, a small degree last year that Kuzmo and Caruso were really the only guys that we had like drafted and brought up that won a title with us. But it's awesome to see all the Lakers around the league now um, getting the recognition that they deserve. Uh, it's funny that you talked about or really shared your thoughts on Lonzo. And I'm going to assume it's because you peaked uh, at the questions we had for our mailbag hey, today. <laughs> uh, so when we get back, we might as well uh, dig right into that. It's been a minute since we've we've done a mailbag because our podcast schedules have have been a little back and forth this this past these past two weeks for whatever reason because of holidays or because you know guys needing to fill in. Uh, but we do. We're back with the mailbag podcast, and the first question we have is from our friend at Genie ZK. The first question she had was what does Jacob think of Lonzo this year? I think you answered that pretty <laughs> well. Bravo. Um, and she followed up by saying, I mean, who would you like to see Lonzo traded to? Now, I think this is a question that a lot of people have been asking, like, over the past month. I mean, the Lakers would be what I'd say, but uh, <laughs> honestly, I don't want him traded. I want Lonzo, Ingram, and Hart to play together for the rest of their careers. <laughs> um, I mean, earnestly, the, I, those three and Zion are a really fun core. I want him to stay with Ingram and Hart. Um, if I had to pick... I I don't even really know. New York, um, I think, would be fun. But they have Quickly now, who they really like. I don't think that they're going to be too interested. Um, it would really stink to see him on the Clippers. <laughs> like, I know, I know I'm supposed to be, like, objective, but that'd be tough to watch him <laughs> on the Clippers. I mean, and from what I've heard from Clippers fans, they don't really want him. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why, but he's <laughs> he he's a younger version of Patrick Beverly, I think. There are some differences between their games. Patrick Beverly's obviously better defensively, Lonzo's better offensively, but um I mean, he's a younger version of Patrick Beverly. I this isn't a podcast question, but while we're on the topic, I asked it I've asked it on Twitter a couple times. On this current Lakers team right now, would you rather have Lonzo or Caruso? Ooh, um, that's a really, really, really tough question. I admittedly have not watched a lot of Lonzo this year, so, so it's hard for me to answer that question. The Caruso at the beginning of the season, I think I would have, but even with how well Lonzo it looks, he's like he's played on the stat sheet. I think I would have picked Caruso. Well, I mean, he was shooting like 60% for yeah. three. I think everybody would have. Uh, but I think the thing that puts Lonzo over Caruso for me with, with you know, I, I don't know where we are in the season. I think it's 31 games. Um, seeing what the Lakers need, I think it is more reasonable to assume Lonzo can check wings in in bigger lineups and uh, just give them more switchability than, than Alex Crusoe does on the defensive end right now. 
Crusoe struggled against bigger guys a little bit. And uh, I mean, I'd love to have them both. It's it's weird <laughs> to think the Lakers did have them both uh, for a little, little while, but that goaded uh, summer league team had like <laughs> six future NBA players. And yeah, Lonzo was in part of it for like most of, of the summer league, which is unfortunate, but uh, he still, he won summer league. MVP and Kuz won Summer League Finals MVP. Uh, so that, that was I was fun. trying to pull it up. Lonzo, Thomas Bryant, Alex Caruso, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Nawaba, Matt Thomas, Zubots. That's nine NBA players <laughs> on that. P.J. Dozier, wasn't he on the Nuggets? Yeah, uh, he might still be. I don't know. That's I, think, I think it's a two-way. Yeah. Ten Lakers, legitimate NBA players It's on been that said one. before. Lakers scouting department goaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I'd probably lean Lonzo. I would too. Just interesting to kind of think about. I posed the question a bit last year, but like, I don't know. Would Lonzo have had the impact that Caruso did in the playoffs and in the finals? Mm-hmm. Um, would we have trusted him as much? Like, I think back to the shot. Was it? It was the Rocket series, I believe. The corner three pointer Caruso hit to seal one of the games. Um, would we, would Lonzo have made that same shot? Would we, but then it's like, it's a butterfly effect. Would we have even been in the, that position if Lonzo's there instead of Crusoe and stuff like that? So I don't know. It's, it's interesting because both of them, as you said, were on the team at the same time. It's not that they necessarily chose one over the other, but um, they kind of are having similar trajectories right now. And I mean, like I, like you said, I would love to have both of them. I I do legitimately think Lonzo will come back to the Lakers at some point. He loves the L.A. area. I just don't think it'll be anytime soon because, I mean, the Pelicans can mac- match any offer sheet, and it's not like the Lakers have the money to pay him. So I do think at some point in his career he'll come back to L.A. Though I am of the same belief. Um... While we're on the topic of shooting, uh, I want to get to a question from Basketball Jones, uh, who asked, do the Lakers unload Trez to go after some wing shooting? Uh, I'll start and say no, because I think the Lakers like Trez, um, and, and he's been a pretty productive player. The question that I have that was born of the news or born from the news that the Rockets were going to part ways with DeMarcus Cousins one way or another over the next few days. I've made it pretty clear on Twitter that I'm not the biggest fan of DeMarcus Cousins. Um, Just as a basketball player, you had everything else in, you know, it's not hard to make that argument, (laughs) but um, just from a strictly basketball standpoint, I think even as a third center, you can probably do better than him. And, you know, anybody that thinks he's going to come in and, and play minutes on this team, I think is sadly mistaken. Um, maybe while Anthony Davis is out, but beyond that, I mean, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen people say that, you know, maybe Trez can play at the four alongside him while, you know, boogeyman's the center. But I mean, you, you look at Montrez is like, position percentage over the past few years. I don't know that he's played 
power forward since his rookie year. So that that's just one thing to consider. I, yeah, I have mixed feelings about Boogie. I ultimately think they'll sign him. I think so. Yeah. To be clear, I, I do think just because I don't want the Lakers to sign him doesn't mean <laughs> they're not going to sign him, uh, which is good news in most cases because I didn't want the Lakers to sign Rondo or Dwight Howard last season. Listen, everybody <laughs> wanted that. I'm not going to hold that against you specifically. Everybody didn't want that, I should say. Um, I, I'm kind of of two minds. On one hand, um, he, he I, I don't think he'll be like a an issue here. He clearly gets along with a lot of the guys. LeBron and AD really like him. Um, so there won't be any of that. He seemed to be a pretty good locker room presence mm-hmm. last season when he was around. He's not afraid. I mean, I think back to that Heat game, the game in Miami last season, where um, the Lakers came back and won, and LeBron mentioned that he called or that Boogie called him out at halftime. Um, it's things like that. Not that LeBron needs calling out, but it's just things like that that I think he can bring to the team. Now, having said that, there's a lot of reasons I don't think it would work. I watched him get absolutely cooked by Cody Zeller uh, about a week ago. Yeah. Um, not to say anything bad about Cody Zeller, but uh, this is not the boogie of 20, I don't know, 2014, 2015. Um, I think what the Lakers need in a third center is a rim protector. Right. And that certainly is not Boogie. Um, he's just very much a shell of himself. And I don't, I mean, he would get minutes right, like right now mm-hmm. while AD is out. But yeah, once AD comes back, I don't really see a path to him playing a whole lot. And will he be okay with that if, uh, if he, I mean, if he signs, I assume he'll be okay with that. But, I mean, when they're healthy, Boogie is not playing on this team. I'm going to ask you something, and then I'm going to move on to the next question. Uh, good good thing for you, you already answered one of them. Uh, it's, it's from Untitled Someone 1. Asks, should we try to find a room protector either by trade or free agency? Uh, I, I share your belief that we probably should. I don't know that it's more of a need than a wing that can shoot and you know defend some so i hope that that answers your question basketball jones i i don't think the lakers need to unload trez to get that i think there will probably be some in the buyout market so that's the good news ignoring that jacob i have a question for you if the rockets offered given the lakers interest in pj tucker if the Rockets offered P.J. Tucker and DeMarcus Cousins for Montrezl Harrell, do the Lakers do it knowing that P.J. Tucker is probably somebody that's going to help them in the postseason more than Montrez will? Oh, uh, sorry about knocking my mic over. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was such an earth-shattering question. <laughs> yeah, I leaned back to think about it and about pulled my mic off the, the desk. Uh, it's not the trade I thought you were going to propose, so that's why I was a little... Surprised. Um, I really like P.J. Tucker, especially when he's not being told to play center. 
Um, man, I don't know. I I mean, I have been outspoken about how much I enjoy Trez on this podcast many times as well. So that's interesting. Mm, I don't know. I don't think I would ultimately because I do think Trez will help in big games in the playoffs. Like I think he's a part of the key rotation players. Uh, oh, I think I think so too. It's not whether or not he will play in the playoffs. It's whether or not PJ Tucker would have more of an impact in the playoffs with the Lakers as constructed. I think. Okay, so the weird thing for me is I think the answer is yes, but my answer to that trade is no. Like I don't think I'd trade Montrez for that. No, even knowing that like everybody involved in that trade is on an expiring contract. I think the value that Montrez brings on the boards and as a spark plug off the bench, somebody that can, you know, create their offense out of nothing or from from nothing is really valuable as we've seen with with AD out and you know, I love PJ Tucker probably as much as you do, uh but PJ is not going to do that for you and and you know, I don't know that DeMarcus does that at the level that Montrez does it right now. So my answer, although, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason I brought it up because I have thought about it. Um, but my, my answer, I think, is it's soft no. Yeah, I ultimately would probably say no. But ask me tomorrow and I might say yes. But I'm very <laughs> I'm very much like 50-50 on that. That's a really – because I – when you – I thought this trade was going to include Kuzma or something. Hell no. <laughs> and, which is a complete 180 from how most people felt. Uh, I mean, going into the offseason, I think I mentioned it on here at the time, I put a trade on Twitter that was centered around Kuzma for P.J. Tucker. Um, and I got a lot of pushback even then from Laker fans. Uh so yeah, I wouldn't trade Kuz right now. That's really it, I think because everybody's expiring, it makes it a lot easier to swallow. Right. Because I don't know that Trez will be back next season. Agreed. Although it seems like he really gets along with this team. Um and I mean in the past he took a smaller deal with the Clippers to stay in with the team. Um now that might be a reason why he might not do it again. I don't know. That's a really interesting trade. I would say no today, and I would probably say yes tomorrow. <laughs> uh, moving on to one of our last few questions uh, comes from at beautiful shy underscore rs. With AD and Schroeder out for a bit, would it make sense to expand the rotation to ten or eleven players to give more players a run so as to not overtax LeBron? Uh, he lists players like LeBron, Kuz, KCP, Wes, Caruso, THG, McKinney, Markeith, Harold, Cook. What would your ideal rotation look like? Um, I mean, I think what what we've seen with THG and Markeith, the guys that, because of their recent production, had kind of had their minutes dwindle in the rotation and, you know, it in Markeith's case, completely out of the rotation when when AD was healthy. I think those guys getting minutes is probably enough to, you know, take whatever load off of LeBron that he needs to be taken off of. The fact of the matter is, though, in my opinion, 
I think you need LeBron on the floor with with all of those guys because without LeBron or Schroeder or AD, you're not going to get much out of those lineups w- without any of those guys. Somebody that is a true primary ball handler and playmaker. I'm hoping Taylor Horton Tucker will be there one day. He's he's just not there today. So um, I understand people wanting to take the load off LeBron. I just don't think from a basketball standpoint, it makes sense to take the ball out of his hands or even play a five-man unit without without him on the floor. Yeah, I think the whole take the load off LeBron thing is very much overblown. Um, I am not nearly as worried about it as um, a lot of people are. I, I don't know. LeBron's like a cyborg. He said multiple times he's not affected by it and that he's prepared for this. Um, I trust him. I also think he is both honest enough with himself and has enough sway that if he were feeling worn down, he would say something to Vogel and the Lakers and he wouldn't be playing as much. Um, It's not like LeBron is just tunnel vision, full steam ahead, no plan, like no foresight for what the playoffs will hold. I mean, this is a guy we've watched for years planning for the playoffs months in advance. So LeBron knows his body better than any of us do, obviously. I'm not really worried about the minutes he's putting on him, on his body. Um, That being said, I mean, I'm in favor of expanding the rotation anyway. Um, just because while it's not affecting LeBron, it seems like the rest of the guys are wearing down a little bit. Um, just kind of nagging injuries, twisted ankles, things like that. Um, knee to knee with guys. So I would be open to it. The, The other thing is though, that these guys, there's like a certain comfort level that these guys have to have playing with one another. So like, well, yeah, I would love to see THT and LeBron and um, stuff like that on the court together. Like that's not what we're going to see in the playoffs. Right. So they, they need the reps with guys like Wes Matthews, like Trez, um, some of those newer guys, they need the reps now so that they, are comfortable come playoff time. Um, it is bit. It's a really kind of fine edge sword to that that they have to deal with. And Vogel has, I thought, done a really good job this season dealing with that. Because, um, yeah, it's it's tough to balance all of those things I just said. Um, guys coming in and out of the rotation because as much as we talked about how deep this team is, like you can't play 12 guys a night, 11 guys a night. Um, So guys are coming in and out of the rotation. Injuries have allowed them to basically be able to actually play 11 players. Um, But yeah, when it comes down to it in the playoffs, we saw how much the rotation shrinks. So ultimately I want to continue to see those guys, those main guys getting minutes, maybe not as many minutes, 
And when it comes to LeBron, like whatever LeBron says, I'm I trust him enough to to be smart about it, basically. Our next question comes from Elameo Paolo, which is a hilarious name. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, he says, when we first got Mark, I instantly thought of nurses, nothing in the middle defense that Gasol locked down and commanded excellently. Come on, commandeered, rather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to point it out, but go on. <laughs> Uh, is it just me or is Vogel not using sort of a Toronto style zonish clog the paint defense? Do you think he should? Uh, my short answer to this is it, it stood out to me, particularly against the Heat, that for most of the game, it didn't look like the Lakers were game or were playing defense like they were game planning for the Heat. It looked like they were just in their typical defensive sets and, you know, will, willing to live with whatever you know, the heat got in those sets. I think that's probably what we'll see for the majority of the regular season. When the postseason rolls around, we'll probably see more of that zone defense like we did in last postseason. Um, I forgot who it was against. It might have been Denver, uh, but it was definitely brought out against the heat. Uh, it might have even been brought out against, uh, you know, in, in the later games against Portland. But I think... We saw last postseason that Frank, especially on the defensive end, has a few cards up his sleeve, and um, he's somebody I can trust, or I I feel like Lakers fans can trust when it comes to making those adjustments on the defensive end. To, to be determined on on offense, you know, I I think that's been a big criticism of Vogel since he's signed on with the Lakers and. No, I, I think most of the time it's probably overblown, but I, I definitely think some of it is warranted. But, yeah, I think when the, when the postseason rolls around, even though we'll see less of Gasol, in my opinion, uh, we will see more of Gasol in, in that type of element. Yeah, so I pulled up cleaning the glasses numbers while you were talking. Um, the Lakers are... 23rd in shots allowed at the rim, meaning they allow uh, this, what is that, 7th most, 8th most. Um, and that, but they're still, I mean, they still defend, I mean, they're exactly average. They're 15th at, at, at defensive accuracy. So basically the Lakers are allowing a lot of shots at the rim, but their other teams aren't making them. Mm-hmm. Um it was also kind of funny. The Lakers' defense is absurd outside of that. Um, in terms of w- what teams are shooting, um, the Lakers are first in short mid-range, first in all mid-range, fourth in corner threes, ninth in non-corner threes, and fifth in all threes. Um, if you need a reminder that this Lakers' defense is really good. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a couple reasons that – you, they're not really going to show a whole lot defensively right now. Um, one, you're not really game planning hard for teams like that. Um, I mean, think back to last year with how they defended the Rockets. I mean, they played them once or twice when they were the small ball Rockets after the trade deadline. Compare how they played them those two regular season games versus how they played them in the playoffs. And it was night and day. Um, you don't really game plan for teams like that. 
in the regular season just because it's so like intensive and hyper focused. And also, you don't want those types of things on vi- on tape for teams to study. Right. Um, the Lakers played a lot of different defenses during the playoffs that they didn't really play during the regular season because they didn't want other teams to have tape on how to attack it. Um, this is when you have like a veteran laden team, like the Lakers have, you can hold off on those. I'm certain the Lakers are in practice trying a lot of different defensive schemes right? to get some comfort with it then. And I, I, I think that the original question will be a way that they play defense in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think that it'll be what they really do in the regular season, especially with, I mean, this has been also kind of a, aside from the obvious, how compacted it is just kind of a disjointed regular season. The Lakers have had a lot of guys out for a game or two here or a week here or an eighties case. I think it'll end up being about a month. Um, so it's harder to do those types of things in those situations. But I think that's why they haven't really done it. But I do think that, um, as I said, that's probably one way the Lakers will use Gasol. Uh, I mean, we talked about it a lot when we signed him. He's obviously a whole lot different than Dwight and JaVale. He's not that athletic rim protector. But, man, he is such a smart defender. Um and I think they'll utilize that. As you said, Vogel's really good about figuring out defenses to stifle teams. So I'm, in that regard, I'm really excited to see how they use Gasol um, in some of those lineups this year. Our last question comes from at Jeep Santos, Jeffrey Santos. Uh, he asks, and, you know, whether it, it was in our mailback questions or in our mentions at Silver Screen and Roll over the last week, uh, he asked, do the Lakers need a trade to fix things? What's your ideal buyout candidate for the Lakers? The team is talented individually, but it looks like the parts are greater than the sum of them. I See, to, to that I say I don't know. I think the Lakers looked pretty good when they were fully healthy and Anthony Davis didn't look like somebody that was dealing with Achilles tendinosis and a calf strain. Uh, I think they looked really good. I think we also have to keep in mind that, again, anybody that the Lakers sign, short of, you know, an Andre Drummond who, you know, that it's just not going to happen, or even a, even a Blake Griffin, dude. Like, Blake Griffin is the name that was thrown around last week. In, in terms of, you know, buyout candidates because of the report that the Pistons were going to work on a resolution to his future in Detroit, you know, all that nice stuff. I'm not even sure Blake Griffin gets minutes on this team. Uh, and, you know, part of that has to do with how bad he's been this season, but it's also like Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma fit this team a lot better than Blake does on the defensive end. And defense is so, so, so important to this team. And that's the, the identity the, of this team. Right. <laughs> and and the key to that defense is Anthony Davis, who, need I remind everybody, 
came second in defensive player of the year voting last season. He can play four and five, but guard, you know, one through five. Very talented player. Glad he's on the team. I I don't know that I can say definitively that the Lakers need to make a trade. I think two things. I think the Lakers need more shooting because I think their three-point shooting has come crashing down to earth. Um, and I mean, that was the case last season too. Sabrina and I talked about this a bit on, on Thursday, but you know, part of the, the bad thing about the Lakers just getting red hot in the postseason last season was going into the season with this comfort and security that the, that the Lakers were a good three point shooting team looked like it at the, at the start of the season, the Lakers looked like a great three point shooting team. Uh, but I mean, they're, about where they were last season, even removing Danny Green from the equation, which is insane. So that that's priority number one for me. A wing defender that can shoot three-pointers and, you know, easier said than done, those, those guys don't grow on trees. Um, to a much, much, much lesser extent, if I had to make one trade, if the Lakers had to make one trade, rather, the one that I have floated around is if Marquise Morris is really, really unhappy with his role, which I'm not sure he is. I think he likes being in LA. His brother's in LA. He likes the group of guys that, that he's with. Um, but if it really came down to Marquise Morris saying, I want to play on a playoff contender, not sure the team I'm going to mention is a title contender, but, uh, I think a Markeith Morris for a Harry Giles trade would be a, a, around the level of move the Lakers would think about making when it comes to deepening that center position. I don't think it's going to be, again, anybody that plays heavy minutes. I think at most it'll be a lob threat for LeBron because beyond that, I I don't know how much more help the Lakers need at center. Um, I don't think the Lakers will make a trade. I agree. I don't think they should probably either. Um, I think, as you mentioned, we've kind of forgotten how good they looked at the beginning of the, well, early in the season at least. I mean, if you would have told me after we beat Houston – 